Sunday of April on Palm Sunday, we celebrate the triumphal entry of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, for he is God alone and he is worthy to be praised. We welcome you to join us in the worship hymn and, and fellowship with him, and we want to encourage the worship with us a little something like this. We want to tell
perfection and glory. He is wonderful. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. I want to thank everyone that came out this morning to join with us in fellowship and communion. This is the first Sunday. As the pastor said, we're in the month of April. Next Sunday, we'll be celebrating Easter. Amen. Amen, church. So this is what they, we call Palm Sunday. I'm going to read the scripture tell you why they call it Palm Sunday. <laughs> All right? So the scripture reading I'm going to read is from John chapter 12, the gospel according to John, that is. Chapter 12 at verse 12. John chapter 12 at verse 12. If you're able to stand in front of God's word, you may do so. Gospel according to John chapter 12. Go down to verse 12. Amen. Amen. Give everyone an opportunity to find still see some pages turning. Amen. John, the gospel according to John chapter 12 at verse 12. It reads, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Amen, amen. So you see that they put down the palm branches, amen? Amen. Now we're going to go to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. That's where the pastor's going to preach from this morning, is Psalm 118. Amen. Amen. Go down to verse 22 in Psalm 118. Give everyone an opportunity to find it there. Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Amen. We'll wait for you. (laughs) Psalm 118. We're going to go down to verse 22. In Psalm 118, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it reads, The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be what? You with me. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Amen, church. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. There is none like you, Father. Father, we just come thank you this morning, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the ultimate sacrifice you made for all mankind. Lord, we just thank you for your love. Your faithful love endures forever, Lord. And we've come into this place right now, Lord, to praise and worship you, Lord. Lord, not unto us. Not that you must give in glory, but all glory belongs to you and you alone, Heavenly Father. For you are the Alpha and the Omega, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, please bless all in the sanctuary, from the front and the back, from side to side, Lord, to 
Touch our minds, our bodies, and our spirits right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Heavenly Father. Help us right now just concentrate on you and what you have done, Heavenly Father. How you have blessed us and kept us throughout the week, Heavenly Father. How you continue to sustain us and keep us, Heavenly Father. We could have been in rolling court, Lord, where a lot of people lost their homes and lost their lives, Heavenly Father. But you saw fit to allow us to be here one more time, Father. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you, Lord. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen, church.
Everybody here that came to glorify the Lord, came to lift up his holy name, to exalt our God on this palm Sunday. You can just wave your palm in the air and just say, look, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, worry be to God. Come on, say, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray, God, we just thank you. We lift up your holy name. We bless you. We exalt you, God, for you are God alone. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you sit high and you look low. Lord, as we continue on to worship you, Lord, on this first Sunday, this Palm Sunday, remember and celebrate the triumphant entry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds right now. May we hear a word from you, O oh God. Draw us closer, Lord, into your presence. So that everything that is said shall be done will be great glory and honor to you. And help us, Lord, that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart. That we might not sin against you, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Palm Sunday. Thank you, Pastor Price, for leading us in our time of scripture reading to give us the backdrop of why they are celebrating Christ and saying what they are saying. And then when you look at how they cut down the palms, they went to meet Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, coming triumphantly, which is a drastic contrast to how they call on him on Friday. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord today. But then come Friday, they say, crucify him. We're seeing here how our God is faithful and consistent even when we're not. They came and worshiped him and exalt him, and then they cursed him and abused him later on that same week. I don't know about you, but I had some days like that where everybody was on my side one day. And then they feel like the whole world was against them. I say, I say, I got a few more amens. Some of y'all been there before, right? Life is fickle, isn't it? Some days we're up, and then some days we're down. And if we, if we pay attention closely, we find out sometimes it's the same day. But what I want to highlight today is that no matter what we're going through, we can make it with God. Tell your neighbor, we can make it with God. When we understand that with God for us, who can? Be against us. This Palm Sunday celebrates the coming of the Messiah. This is very important to the Jews because they're waiting for one who can come and deliver them from the oppression rule of government and one that will reestablish the throne and the reign of David. But here comes Jesus of Nazareth that does not meet their expectations. Think about when you don't get what you expected. How you, you might have been there, somebody unwrapped the gift you gave them, they had a smile when it was wrapped, but that face changed, it was not what they expected. You think to yourself, like, oh, they don't like my gift? <laughs> I could take it back, you know, right? You know, whatever it is, right? Or now, modern days, right, we can give gifts with a gift receipt. Well, if you don't like it, you can, you can turn it back, right, and get it in. But here it is. Jesus came, wrapped in flesh, the perfect gift, and they did not accept it. 
they have rejected him. But here it is that he's coming knowing that I know I am what you need. I'm showing up because I must face what's ahead of me. So on this Palm Sunday, we see in that Jesus, who is able to heal, able to restore, comes to show the good, and he's come to uh, uh, give the blind aside and, and lift up the oppressed and set the captives free. And they're celebrating because of what he has done coming in. It's easy when we can celebrate and worship our God when we don't know what's ahead of us. But Jesus has prepared his disciples to let them know that I must be handed over. I must be beaten. I must be crucified. But yet, not everybody knows, but they're excited because here comes our victory. Here comes our hero. Here comes our triumphant hero. Notice how they treat their hero with great honor and worship. They extol the Lord and they lift him up. They boast about how great he is. Now, we read part of that Psalm of 118. Uh, Psalm 118 is part of the Hillel Psalms of Egypt. Uh, when it says Hillel, it means songs of praise that they would read on their way back into Jerusalem. You know, they would go back to Jerusalem to worship God. We are blessed now that we don't have just one location of worship. You can go on any corner block and find a place of worship. Because the church is not the edifice, but the body of Christ. But before we had Jesus to come down on earth, God says, you got this one space that I will allow you to have where I will be represented. And that was the tabernacle. Then when they were no longer traveling, they had the temple. And in the temple, they will have the Ark of the Covenant. They will have the altar, as God has described for them, to worship. And they will come with their offerings and worship God. But here it is that on their way there, they will sing their songs. They will sing their hymns. They will celebrate. We go into the Father's house. And one of the psalms that was seen is 118. And when you look with me at 118, look at verse 1. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. I, I can see how the psalmist started that psalm out. He says, that sounds good. It's so nice, I'm going to say it twice. <laughs> Let all Israel repeat. Y'all see that there? His faithful love endures for how long? Forever. Then the psalmist getting excited said, let Aaron's descendants, the priests repeat, not, not just me, but everybody, come on. So you, you can see how this might be a congregational part, how they might be marching. And I can see, all right, on the left, <laughs> on the right, in the center, everybody together now. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. Y'all, can y'all see that there? Then verse 4 says, let all who fear the Lord repeat. Y'all see that? That's what he said. So if you're not Aaron, if you don't feel like you're Israel, but you 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 with us and you fear the Lord, join in. So if I would, I would like y'all to humor me. Can y'all join in to say his faithful love endures forever? Can you repeat that again? Can you repeat it one more time? Notice I had you say it three times like they have it there in the text. Three times a sign of completion. <laughs> Of fulfillment and wholeness. Here it is. The psalmist says, I want you to grab it and understand it. Not, we won't say it once. We're not going to say it twice. But three times. Our Lord is good. His faithful love endures forever. When we look at this psalm, if you follow the structure, uh, you can see the, the chiastic structure of verses 1 through 4. Talk about 
how we are called to give thanksgiving to our God. Then we have the bigger graph in the middle of the thanksgiving, the reasons why we give God thanksgiving, verses 5 through 21. And then we get to the concluding part where Pastor Price led us in reading uh, of the thanksgiving liturgy, or again, why we give thanksgiving. But notice again, there's a, a, a repeat of the refrain about how we give thanks to our God for his love, what? Think about what it means to give thanks to God because he is good. His love endures forever. The New Living Translation is pointing out that his love endures forever. Or another translation would say his everlasting love. God, tell your neighbor, God is faithful. When we understand that God is faithful, it means that God will not change. God will not do anything wrong. God will always do what is right. Tell your neighbor, God is just. Knowing that our God is just, he is also able to do exactly what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, because he is sovereign. He does not need my permission. He does not need me to ask for him to move. I'm so glad that God moves when he deems it's time to move. And then notice in verse 5, after we thank God and we extol God and we worship God, we lift him up, then we understand about in my distress, I pray to the Lord. And the Lord answered me and set me free. Mm. Think about what he's saying right here. My God answered my prayer. Now, here's oftentimes when we cry on God, is that when we realize that we don't have a good habitual prayer life, we find out that we're not spending daily time communicating to God, talking to God, praising him, worshiping and meditating on his word. But when we're in time of need, all of a sudden we get remembrance of there's someone I can talk to. So when we're in a time of trouble, we actually start giving us phone calls. So you pray for so-and-so or pray for this. And, and, and we don't call on anybody during the good times. But when things are hard and those things are rough, and all of a sudden we start remembering, oh, I can talk to somebody that's able to change and speak life into whatever I'm facing in my life. He's a present help in a time of trouble. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus says that anything you ask. In my Father's name, he will give it unto So why am I worried? Why am I stressed out? Why am I acting like this when all I have to do is call on the name of the Lord? Verse 5 says, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord. And the Lord answered me and said, me free. Let you know that no matter what I was going through, my God was able to step in at the right time. Anybody here glad you serve an on time God? And then the psalmist points out that the Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Now he's getting bad. Now I realize that my God is the biggest God. He's the baddest God. He's the greatest God. So no matter how you're coming after me, you can't stand because my God is great. So if the Lord is for me, why will I be fearing anything else? Then 
you can see the psalmist getting confident in here. Y'all with me in verse 7? Yes, the Lord is for me. Mm. What does it mean to know that God is for you? What does it mean that you have confidence to know that God is for you? That you know that God is your backup. That God is your refuge. God is your strength and your defense. That, that confidence I have. When, when I think about this confidence in the spring season that coming in and baseball season starting up and, and you know how you can see them throwing the balls at a 90, 100 miles per hour and, and those, those catchers and the, and the players just have their mitts and they have no fear of catching that ball. They're right there in front of the face, coming right at the chest. They're like, I just put the glove up. I'm going to catch this and, and not be afraid. And, and I don't know about you, but I'd be a little bit fearful when I see a 100-mile-per-hour ball coming at my face. I don't have enough practice to feel like I got trust that this glove's going to stop that ball. <laughs> and my hand will be absorbed that punishment, and I'm going to be all right. But here it is that out of their practice and their confidence, they believe that no matter what you throw at me, I'm going to catch you. But let me take it to another exit power about this, about no matter what I can see or not see, my God is able to protect me from danger seen and unseen. So why should I fear? Though I can't see, I don't know what's happening, but one thing I do know, I'm confident of that my God can help me. Why should I fear? What, what can someone do to me that will Break through whatever the defense my God has. Look what he says. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Then he takes it to an nth degree. Say it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes or in noblemen. Basically saying that even money can't save <laughs> Even the ability to say that can give you whatever you ask for. That's not good enough. My God is great. And nobody believe that your God is great. This confidence he has in the Lord removes his fear, realizing that there's nothing you can do against me. That's why we like to say it all the time. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Isaiah said that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. They shall never run and not go where they will walk and not faint. When we understand that our God will give us energy and give us strength to able withstand whatever the enemy comes against us. That's why Paul writes about putting on the whole armor of God, be steadfast, and we will stand in the power of God, putting on the full armor of God. We can tell one another that when we, no matter what we're going through, this all won't be all right. Because God is with us. Now, look what he talks about more directly in verse 10 and the reason why he thanks God for being in it. He says, even when hostile nations surround me, I destroy them all with the authority of the Lord. Notice what he says. I was only able to do this because of the authority of the Lord. Hmm. Now, look at this again. The, the scholar suggests to us whenever you see a portion of a verse uh, mentioned in the New Testament, it also includes the whole chapter. We are blessed now that we all have books, but they didn't all have scrolls and books to walk around. So therefore, they were in charge to memorize what they knew. And so here it is that if they're saying song, they're saying it from memory. It's like they're, they're songs they can recall, like how you got songs you recall. If you could sing verse for verse, live for live. You go, you go to many people's concerts and you can see how the choir, I'm sorry, the choir, the crowd is the choir that'll sing the song with it. So the article put their microphone down, like, sing my song. 
So here it is. They're singing this song to Jesus. And we have the last part highlighted, but this is also implied about how Jesus is surrounded by hostile. Mm. But he can destroy them all. Jesus cannot be defeated. And notice how Jesus is coming to be betrayed. He's coming to be handed over. He's coming to be kissed by Judas. He's coming to be whipped. He's coming to be nailed. He's coming to be buried. He's coming to come to defeat death and rise again. Yes, they surround and attack me, but I destroy them all with the authority of the Lord. They swarm around me like bees. They blaze against me like a crackling fire, but I destroy them all with the authority of the Lord. Understanding this, that God cannot be defeated. It's good to be on the Lord's side. The psalm is making it very clear that I can't do it by myself. But as long as I got King Jesus, as long as he's sitting on the throne, everything is going to be all right. Our enemies can't defeat us. Our enemies can't touch us. Our enemies can only go so far because we serve a God that protects us. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So notice how the psalmist is excited that his enemies cannot defeat him and he'll be rescued by the Lord. So then verse 15 says, songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the God. Notice how when you have victory, you don't sing songs of defeat. It's March Madness 9. You can see the difference in the different sides. One side got joy. The other side has defeat. Y'all can tell the difference. The ones with joy are running around, jumping up and celebrating. Hey, we got songs. We got things to say. Those who defeated slowly walking down with their heads hung low, feeling the sense of defeat that they were so close to the taste of of victory. But here it is that we understand that why should we walk around with our heads bowed down when we serve a God who has victory over our enemies, victory over death, victory over the bondage of sin, who the Son sets free is. We have victory because God has blessed us with his grace and his mercy. Again, when we think about how great our God is, it should remind us how small we are. When we think about how holy our God is, it should remind us that I am not holy. Let us not get so high and mighty that we forget of where we used to be. We can thank God that we're not where we used to be, but we're not where we are. But we thank God that we're not where we used to be because our God has been keeping us. And that's why when you look at Psalm 118, verses 17 and 18, it says, I will not die. It said, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not let me die. Hebrews writer says that our God chastised us because he's like a heavenly father. He wants us to do what is right, which means this, that God won't let us keep on being wrong. He's going to help us out, but yet here's the other thing you want to be careful and mindful that God is not slack in punishment. You, you cannot mock God. You will reap what you sow. Those who sow in the flesh will reap in the flesh. Those who sow in the spirit will reap in the spirit. So be mindful of that, that God is not slack of something, that he is being blindful, but he desires that you repent and not perish. Anybody here glad God gave you some extra time? To get it right, 
If you right there, you right now, you say, Lord, I haven't got it right. Well, here's the story. You can't get it right by yourself. Just say, Lord, I need you. I surrender. I'm going to stop living for myself and learn to live for you. And it's going to be a hard road, but that's why God will never leave you nor forsake you. Because he's going to help you make it through. But you got to first stop living for yourself and start living for you.